What's up, guys? Welcome to Fitter Food Radio. This is episode 173, and it's my good self and Keris and the one and only, everyone's favourite doctor, Dr. Tommy Wood, back again. How are you, mate? Hello. I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? Good man, good man. Yeah, very good. well. We Tom- get we get feedback that you're the best guest on the show. Oh, thanks. I should say, well, one, I should say one of. That's not fair on the other guests, but yeah. you are a favourite of, yeah, <laughs> of our listeners. You are a favourite, and you do friend. have other. You do have other good guests. So, so of course, yeah. only the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Tommy's fresh off of a strongman comp. Yeah, that's my that's my new thing. I started did my first one in the summer. Just did a second one, and I'll probably continue to do these same two every year. It's it's a it's a load of fun. Just like nothing I'd, I'd ever really done before, but no, I really enjoyed it. You're going to run out of things to do because you've been like, you was a rower at university, then it was CrossFit. Have you ever done marathons? You've done a marathon, haven't you? Anna? Yeah, I've done, I've done several uh, ultras, uh, multiple marathons in mar- multiple days. Yeah, I did that for a while. I did the world's first ever fully off-road Ironman, 24-hour Ironman yeah. competition. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was off-road. So we, we swam... Uh, the sea uh, in Eastbourne. Then we mountain biked the South Downs end to end. And no then way. there was a, a trail marathon afterwards. Oh Bloody my God, hell. Amazing. Tommy, all, the, all the times Tommy's told me to calm down with exercise. I know. <laughs> <laughs> in the background. That was, my, that was my only ever triathlon and my last ever endurance race. I was just compl- like, I, I, went, I went straight to Iceland to visit my grandparents and I basically lay on their sofa hallucinating for three days while my kidneys were just like completely falling apart. Like it was, it was terrible. terrible. Wait, so that, I think it took me about, it was about, so it was a 24 hour cutoff. I think it took me about 20 hours overnight. Um, I think I, yeah, I think I came like, I don't know, 16th or 17th, something like that. It was pretty good. That's amazing. It's like you do these things once though, by the sounds of it, then it's like, right, what's next? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, th- that one was just because my body was just so broken afterwards. I was like, I'm not doing that again. Well, it's funny because like, that's where my head's at with these kind of events. I'm like, I like the Whatever. idea of Every chat- time there's a new competition on Instagram, CrossFit or anything, you're like, oh, there's a new yeah, competition. Yeah, but, but because it's new. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I've done the London Marathon. I have no intention of doing it again. Yeah, you know what okay, I mean? Like it, it's, But there'll always be something new. There'll always be something. That's what I mean. Something new to kind of throw myself at. Like one of the guys at uh, CrossFit the other day is talking about doing the um, 100K run from London to Brighton okay. in May. And he's trying to rope me in. And at first I was like, oh, yeah, that's you know a bit bonkers because it's like 60 odd mile or whatever. But then I don't know. You haven't just, run since the London Marathon three years ago either. <laughs> But also I think the, it's that risk versus reward thing in that I'm happy to do stuff that, you know, pushes out of my comfort zone, but I just know so many people that have screwed themselves doing long distance running. Yeah. with the injuries. I mean, if it's like a long distance bike ride, you can be like, yeah, it's tough, but it's non-impact. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Whereas I'm like, oh yeah, run a hundred K and then be crocked for years to come. Yeah, I'm like, it's like the last ever race, isn't yeah, it? No last thanks. ever run. My, like my, my knees still aren't great after all the endurance running that I did, you know, and if, if you weigh like 90 plus kilos, I did then I was a bit lighter when I was doing endurance stuff, but like there's only so, so many thousands of miles your knees can take. So I, was say, yeah. Yeah. I, lo- I love the fact that you've swapped in lifting cars. Like that's a bit better for the knees. Oh yeah. <laughs> Non-impact. Non-impact. Yeah. You're not going to do a Ross Edgley then and start like doing marathons, carrying a tree or <laughs> no no definitely not i i think what i guess what's nice about strongman is 
it's not like a pure strength. It's not like powerlifting, right? Where you just do the same three lifts again and again and yeah, again. So yeah. it's, it's, it's always varied, it, but it relies a little bit less on maximal strength, although the stronger you are, the better. But it's got some movement. It's got a bit of like, you need to have some capacity. You need to have some conditioning, all that kind of stuff. So, the, so you need a little bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, really um so it's nice well, it's pretty functional after watching you carry them sandbags i'm like tommy could probably renovate his own house now we don't need a digger yeah <laughs> i'll do it with my hands <laughs> <laughs> i'll dig the foundation <laughs> i must admit though years ago uh friend of ours up in Suffolk, Suffolk strength. And he's got the full strong man set up, you know, like the Atlas stones and uh, was it the yoke? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. got me on all of these bits and bobs, and it was it was great fun trying these new 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 things and bloody hard work. Like because it's so anaerobic, like your heart rate's through the roof. But Jesus, I felt it in muscles I didn't even know existed the next day because you you know you're not lifting a just a straight up barbell, no, you know, awkward, like the Atlas stones, it? you know, like getting your arms around it, and you just my back muscles, but in a good way. But I was just. Yeah. Like, yeah, quite, yeah. I quite like this, but but that's why I think it's quite functional. Like <clears throat> someone asked me to help them carry a washing machine up some steps the other day, and I, I didn't look anything like I do in the gym. I was proper like <laughs> literally hugging the washing machine and staggering upstairs with it. But you know, I didn't get injured. So but you did it. I must do my own version of strong woman training just through domestic duties, <laughs> I think, and helping out the neighbours. But so, yeah. just to be clear, you didn't lift it on your own. Right? No, there was three of us, but we could have met that bit. <laughs> I love how you missed those details out. I just lifted a washing machine up the stairs. One day. Um, well, speaking of strength yeah. and that, we're going to do like a bit of the, if you remember, guys, like a few episodes ago, we did like a bit of a men's health part one, and we thought this would be a good opportunity to kind of see this as a little bit of a part two in the world of... Uh, men's health and we're going to have a little chat about testosterone but we will speak a little bit about because you've got some questions about testosterone in women as well right? yeah yeah no, i think it's i think a lot of the things that tommy's going to say will apply to both anyway in terms of testing and, and obsessing and and i think with hormones as well another thing that's quite relevant is once you think it's low or someone tells you it's low i think that has a really powerful effect on you and so i've seen this happen a million times it happened mm. to me even that it can almost change your entire emotional state someone's gone oh your hormones are really low and you might have felt like you were fine and and the tests aren't necessarily you know a true picture so yeah i think it'll be useful to apply yeah. to both but we need to focus on men because we do we us men need some love man yeah I also think we don't get enough. I also think I'd, I'd just been on a, this is quite interesting though, on a cancer course. And they were saying how the survival rates in men are so much lower because they simply don't seek help mm, when they have yeah. symptoms and they're not as proactive as women about their health <laughs> generally. So they don't look up, could I change my diet? Should I lose weight? Will this help? And that I, I see a lot of men outsource it to partners mm. and it drives me nuts. I've had partners oh, yeah. book in to help the husband and I'm like, get him on Skype now. I need to speak to him. You know, it's not something, yeah, it's not your right. job. So, right. so that's why we need to focus on men today. So I, I think um, we were going to chat about it earlier because we were talking before the podcast and we were like, no, let's not, let's save it for the actual podcast. So I think like words that are thrown around quite a lot are like, oh, you know, hormone optimization. And we've no doubt used it a fair few times in our marketing. <laughs> Sounds quite fancy. Um, <laughs> it, it definitely sells it. But you're like the the poster boy for testosterone, I think. I don't know about that. <laughs> do you know what your can we start? Do you know what your testosterone levels are, Matt? Um, no, I actually don't. But he um, informs me daily that he doesn't have an issue with it. No, yeah. So 
do you know what? I think that's, that's, a, that's a super important place to start. And I, I can tell you what, so I can tell you, tell you about myself, right? The normal range for testosterone is like 10 to 35 uh, nanomoles per liter, right? That lower end is probably not great. I would say that, that you're probably deficient if you're below like, I don't know, 14, 15, 16, right? Under 16, you're probably, you, you know, you will want to look at what else is going on. My testosterone, right? The upper, the upper end of the normal range is 35. My testosterone has never been above 19. And for long periods of time, it was 17, like right towards the, the bottom end of what I would say is healthy. I don't think anybody's going to tell me that I have any problems with my testosterone. I have no symptoms. Like everything works just fine. I'm perfectly strong. Can we just get I'm your per- other half on, please? Can we just? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she's she's at work. I'm afraid she's not available. Um, <laughs> yeah. So one of the reasons why I think it's very interesting. People get obsessed about this number, right? Like I've had people say, you know, once I'm at t- the top end of the normal range, you know, I'm above thirty or I'm at thirty-five, you know, then I'll be healthy. Then I'll be strong. Then I'll have sorted all my problems. Whereas I sort of, of my own, what I think is the, the sort of the normal healthy range, I hang out near the bottom of it all the time. I feel great. So let's just, we can start there. And with it, so let's start off with the testing itself. So normally when you're tested, obviously there's testosterone, total testosterone, free testosterone, and then a sex hormone binding globulin. And then you work out a free testosterone and index. And I've heard lots of people say that it's virtually impossible because it changes, testosterone changes across the day, across the month probably as well. And also that you might be using that testosterone is another theory I've heard. So if you're quite an active person, you're using that testosterone up. So blood levels are just never going to be that representative. So obviously you'd use symptoms as well, but do you think there is any way to kind of measure blood wise or any, and obviously it's now urine tests and things as well? Yes. So I think the thing that I'm most interested in and I've sort of gravitated towards in the end is just, it's just your total testosterone level. As you, I think the free androgen index or free testosterone, free testosterone index is basically, it's just a calculation based on sex hormone binding globulin. And, and sometimes they include albumin because testosterone combined to that too. I just think it's a bit made up um, and it doesn't really matter that much. So if you look and for various, for various reasons, so sex hormone binding globulin goes up with insulin sensitivity, which is probably also going to be an indication of muscle sensitivity to testosterone or, you know, cellular sensitivity to testosterone in the first place. So I've, again, I've had people say, oh my God, my SHBG is so high, it's reduced my free testosterone. You know, I must have a problem. But the best way to reduce your sex hormone binding globulin is to either become overweight or diabetic. And I don't think anybody really wants to do that. Um, and I've seen plenty like, particularly endurance athletes, other really high volume athletes, they have super, super high SHBG without having any symptoms of low testosterone. So those kind of calculated indices in general, I think are big misnomers, particularly in athletic populations. The total testosterone, I think is useful because if you're in the bottom of like the bottom third of the quote unquote normal range, uh, that is usually associated with some, you know, some kind of, of symptoms. So like I said, if you're below 16 and you have symptoms, then I would say, you know, probably you have lower testosterone than is ideal. But above that, there is no evidence that within the normal range in terms of endogenously produced testosterone, that more is better. And you could make some arguments about more potentially being worse in terms of your ability to regulate 
what comes out of your mouth or the actions that you perform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, SHBG in my mind, particularly in the populations that I've worked with, is is basically just a metric of insulin sensitivity. It's useful for that, but I don't really worry about how you know it's affecting testosterone, you know, binding uh, or ability to reach the cell because so SHBG also goes up if you're uh, calorie restricted. So that's the that's the one caveat. If you if you're not eating enough calories, SHBG will go up, testosterone will go down, and you'll you'll probably end up with some kind of symptoms. So that's that's the one caveat that you just got to watch out. Not say though that like um, testosterone levels, you know, it's all, you know people are very focused on like optimizing their hormones but do you not think a lot of it largely comes down to like your genetics in the first place of course like lifestyle choices can affect it but let's think of like characteristics that are often maybe like associated with i don't know masculinity high testosterone levels such as like lower body fat levels you know a decent bit of muscle mass like a like chiseled jaw, whatever, you know, like those say, kind like, of things. Prostate issues and just like, oh, well, that's more kind of insulin and testosterone together. But I was going to say some of the conditions related to DHT, the more potent form of testosterone. Because what I mean is like, is um, I have no idea what any of that means. So I'm sorry. <laughs> so so I guess, well, I, just to kind of like, put, I guess, to, yeah. So, so genetics does play a role probably in terms of your baseline testosterone and your testosterone sensitivity and all that kind of stuff. But I think there's also this misnomer that, you know, again, within the, within the normal range, if there's no sort of direct lifestyle or environmental factor that's really driving it down, I wouldn't really say that testosterone drives those things because women, other than like sort of the sort of female body fat distribution, women have, you know, women can get almost as lean as men in multiple areas of the body. Yeah, women yeah. can gain you know, once you adjust for body size, women can gain just as much muscle as men can. They have 10 times lower testosterone on average. Yeah, so yeah. like these things that we think in terms of body composition and performance, ability to gain muscle, ability to gain strength, you know, once you adjust for body size, women and men are very similar and testosterone levels are wildly different. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so I think we assign these things to testosterone when, when really, you know, there's, there's much more, there's many more other things that are more important. I know for sure, for sure. An indirect influence would be testosterone and motivation, arguably, in that to train and actually do those things and eat the diet that you're supposed to eat would be a factor. But what I was going to say, what time would you associate then? Well, well, what I wanted to, because I just want to, because I don't think like um, I got my point across properly. What I was getting at was we we focus on hormone optimization, and you spoke about that kind of range. People have an idea of like, well, surely the optimal is to have as high testosterone as possible but i suppose what i was saying was is that yeah i I guess you you obviously you can improve your hormone profile but what i meant was with genetics is that i think you'll be would you not be limited in terms of where that could go type thing as in like you know like let's say someone's on that lower scale that you said you know is someone going to be able to go from a 12 to a 33 just through lifting weights and eating steak (laughs) <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think you, I think you did make that point. And what I was trying to say is that no, I don't think that is going to happen, right? So, in, in a lot of things that we measure, we can figure out what's 
what's the most testosterone that you can produce, you know, once you've, right. And if there are, if there are things in your lifestyle that will affect it, like you're sleep deprived, you're calorie restricted, maybe you have a couple of nutrient deficiencies, you've have a, eat a very low fat diet that can, that can potentially do it too. Right. You fix some of those things. Say you go from 16 to 21, right? 21 is probably where you should hang out, right? And that, you know, that extra 14 in the, in the normal range is, just doesn't apply to you because like the, the total value of a hormone tells you nothing about, like you mentioned, Karius, how much is being used. It tells you nothing about how sensitive the downstream signaling pathways are. And so this is the problem that we have with a lot of the things that we measure is that it just gives you this single unit that tells you nothing about all the other things that, that are regulating that and that respond to that which, and you may respond much better than somebody else who has a, has a higher level because of, you know, all the biochemical machinery that comes downstream. So I think it's probably more helpful if we talk about what would be some kind of key signs and symptoms that someone has low testosterone where they should probably then start to explore causes of that. Yeah. So it is worth bearing in mind that I have seen enough times some, some kind of biological reason for having low testosterone that does need to be fixed. So, so athletes show up, they have low testosterone and the symptoms that come with it are, yeah. So low motivation to train, say uh, worsen mood or increased depression, erectile dysfunction or sexual dysfunction, poor ability to recover from exercise. And yes, maybe like they're training and they think they've got everything, all the ducks in a row, but they're not getting stronger. They're not, you know, improving uh, body composition, that kind of stuff. Uh, so, cause you need, some, right? The, the absolute value matters less than I think people, people, you know, ascribe to it, but some does matter. But when you then look, they have something like a pituitary tumor, like a, a prolactinoma that's releasing prolactin and that messes with this, with this whole system. So if you are, if you have those symptoms, like you should definitely get a full pituitary screen. You should definitely see an endocrinologist. I mean, and the reason why I say that is because I've worked with people who, you know, they go and see some functional person who spends months messing around with lifestyle when this person has a tumor in their head and that's what needs to be fixed. And so that isn't going to be it all the time, but you know, if it's like 1% or 2% of the low testosterone that I've dealt with, maybe a little bit less than that, but enough for me to remember all those cases, right. You just have to bet, you have to bear that in mind. Cause I think as well, like, you know, I suppose, you know, earlier when I mentioned the kind of characteristics of high testosterone, like you said, I think that's a massive misconception, right? And if anything, like, you know, we need to be a bit more open-minded and think of like our, our energy levels, our overall mood on a day-to-day basis. And like you said, the motivation to train. And I think like, for me, when I feel a bit low or my energy is low, my motivation to train is low. I can always link it to being quite highly stressed, probably been eating a little bit more shite than I ordinarily do. And I'm also sleeping a lot, lot less. So it's, it's, it's almost like I can make that link immediately. It's not like, it's like, Oh, I wonder why this is happening. I'm like, I can make that connection. And I think like for a lot of people, like they're so focused on, you know, the other stuff like, oh, you know, like training more, just what I mean, lifting yeah, weights. Yeah. So maybe they go towards the things that could, I was going to say, I see kind of, I would say almost two common patterns of, of men that would maybe present with the symptoms of low testosterone. And I think one group is kind of usually 
has some kind of chronic inflammatory condition, metabolic dysregulation, overweight, diabetic, they will sometimes kind of mention, oh, when I have no libido and I have no motivation to mm. train and I struggle to put muscle mass on, but there's already that underlying just kind of situation that needs dealing with. And then another group I would say is, is probably similar to what you're talking about, are overtrained, not really focusing on kind of micro and macronutrient intake, sleep, mega stress, because they're usually running gyms or businesses. That's a group that we work a lot with because we're kind of in the fitness yeah, industry, yeah. trying to support a family financially by working two jobs and things like that. So they're the two, I would say, groups that I tend to see. Um, and again, the, the way that I would address both is is it's the common things, there's common things to it, but there's also slightly different things. Like I think the metabolic side has to be, I was going to ask you, Tommy, inflammation would surely suppress or have some input negative impact on testosterone, would you say, or, or is it just, it's the effects of the libido because they're just so, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So th there is, you know, there's plenty of evidence that suggests that chronic inflammation reduces testosterone levels. And that can be influenced by nutrient deficiencies or mitochondrial function. So the mitochondria are the place where cholesterol is first converted into, you know, the, the initial precursor of, of all the, the sex hormones. So yes, absolutely. If you have something else upstream, something that's causing a, you know, a chronic inflammatory response, you know, it could be an infection, autoimmune condition, um, obviously being insulin resistant, type 2 diabetic cardiovascular disease, all those are associated with chronic inflammation. So yes, those, those can certainly reduce testosterone levels. Yeah. And with those kind of situations, do you think there's a need, I suppose that often when someone's told they have that hormone insufficiency, their first thought is supplementation. And, and that's obviously kind of often a solution provided by conventional medicine. Do you think it's necessary in those situations, if they can't correct, well, they have to correct the the kind of underlying causes, but it can take time. And how serious is it for them to have, or, or kind of what's the impact of them not having that testosterone? And I know we've kind of talked, I work with a lot of menopausal women where I've said they don't have the motivation and would it actually help to get the hormone stimulus to give them the motivation to train and, and kind of help with sleep and some other things as well? Yeah, it, it's a good question. And, and one that's difficult to really answer on a, on a global level, because if you look at, I can't remember the exact statistics right now, but the majority of men who start testosterone replacement stop within a year. So if it had this magical effect on your health and well-being, I don't think that would be the case. Maybe it's even 80%. I'd need to double check it. Don't quote me on 80%, but it's definitely the majority. So I think just throwing testosterone replacement at the problem is obviously not reversing the the issues. So yes, I, I think if if there are no other options, right, if if you're not going to improve your lifestyle and you know you can't sleep more and you can't eat better and you can't move more, then I think, you know, some test and you and you do have low testosterone and symptoms of it, your quality of, of life and your health may improve with replacement. Um, but the problem is that in many cases testosterone is just like is the output, but it's not actually what's what's going on, right? So, so yeah, you, you've increased the number that's associated with all these other problems, but none of those other problems have gone away, right? Testosterone isn't going to fix all these other, you know, metabolic or inflammatory issues that may be driving a lot of your symptoms in the first place. So, so I think often we fixate on testosterone, but it's essentially just like coming along for the ride. And there's all these other things that are more important that aren't being addressed.
such as? <laughs> I was going to say, do you have a hierarchy of things? That, I suppose it's going to be individuals, individual to each case that you work with, but do you, where would you kind of start listing things down for people in terms of what they could be looking at? We've mentioned a few anyway, but. Yeah, so, so I, I think, um, so, okay, if we're talking about, you know, testosterone levels themselves, obviously sleep, like nutrient-dense diets that have enough fat in them, and then psychological psychological stress, right? Those are probably the the three main ones, sleep, enough foods, stress. And I think move, movement helps as well, whether like you can get acute testosterone increases with training, but the effect that that has, we're, we're not sure, but it will improve, generally improve the sensitivity that your body has to testosterone. So it will re respond. So those are the, those are the main things. The problem is that like psychological stress, right? Trauma, uh, all these other things that the pe the people go through. I mean, that's, that may be the, the biggest, be the biggest issue. And that's really difficult to unpick. Um, and we see similar things in women. There's a, there's a, a study for, I mean, it's, it's probably a, 10 years old now, maybe, maybe more, where they had amenorrheic women who weren't cycling with their hormones, but after undergoing CBT to address some, you know, some psychological stress issues, their, their cycles returned. And it was only because, you know, CBT was the only intervention, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. So like psychological stress can be, can have a huge impact on our hormone levels and it, it and it's difficult to address because, you know, obviously needs a personalized approach. So those, those are like the, the main, you know, levers for testosterone itself. But what are the other things upstream? So, so like we said, any chronic inflammatory condition, so any um, insulin resistant condition, so any metabolic disease, autoimmune disease, chronic infections, uh, that could be uh, like dental issues, uh, uh, common sort of sources of, of, of uh, chronic inflammation, you know, could be, you know, anywhere in the body. Like if you've had surgery and you've had metal implants, they can become a, a site for, uh, you know, a bacterial infection in the bone. These are just so, so any of those things could be important, but obviously the big lifestyle levers are the, are the ones you'd address first. And usually if that is going to be where the, the issue is coming from, it wouldn't take much to, to realize what, what the biggest issue is in terms of sleep or stress or diet. I think just, just some, some careful questioning would, would, would be able to get you, you know, the, the lowest hanging fruit pretty quickly. I think I said in the last um, session when we were talking about it, that the pattern I see in a lot of men and even just speaking to kind of female friends about their partner's diets is the way that men are slightly disadvantaged in that because often they're not as aware maybe of their nutrition because their weight, they can maintain a healthy weight often just eating what they like. That's a kind of common case I've seen, not in, not for every, every guy, obviously that they just pay zero attention to, to what it is they put in their body. And they're just kind of about, shoving a sandwich in on the way to work and a croissant and you know and then it, it really seems to around the age of 30 40 catch up with them and does manifest either like hormonally and even people who've got kind of might be perceived as they look healthy because they're not overweight but you can kind of see there's there's insulin resistance or other issues you know from energy crashes and things like that and i think that and, and the kind of alcohol side as well, you know, they can kind of get away. We've got friends that we've said like now they party hard, you know, and still in their thirties. And at some point that's going to catch up with them and, and play out somewhere in terms of, you know, either inflammation or some kind of chronic illness in future. I don't really know where I'm, where I'm going with this other than I'm just trying to highlight <laughs> what we said in the last session. <laughs> but I suppose like, is there, is, is there things that you think 
guys could be, I mean, you get the extremes because we're always in the fitness industry working with people who are already like, yep, you need to eat protein with every meal. You need to balance your blood sugars. But for kind of general population, are there kind of things that you think they might be following or, or kind of unaware of? Um, I'm thinking at the moment, a lot of them are switching to vegan diets for a start, thinking that, that that's, that's the next thing they need to be doing because that's kind of the big message that's out there on social media. And what's that going to do in terms of, in your opinion, to <laughs> hormone levels? Well, I guess <laughs> I, <on> <laughs> I kind, uh, yeah, I kind of, I guess I kind of intimated. The, the, uh, the, well, there's lots of moving, lots of moving uh, parts there. I think the most important thing. So, if we're focusing on men, men's health in general, the most important thing is to acknowledge how you feel and talk to other people about it and notice when things change and realize that asking for help or asking for information or looking after yourself is not a sign of weakness. And I think that's, you know, the, I've seen a lot of really good messaging around this recently, which is that being masculine does not require you to pretend you don't have an issue, does not require you to, to bottle things up, to pretend you don't have emotions, to pretend you don't feel unwell, uh, to pretend you don't need help. And I would argue that actually it is the opposite. There is strength in, in doing those things. So, so we, we need to start by talking about that. Then from there, I think, again, I, I, sort of, I feel like a broken record because I'm just going to say the same things again and again, which is sleep, diet, and nutrient quality, and you know, addressing whatever, you know, social, like social isolation, social stresses, financial stresses, you know, wherever those are coming from, you know, finding ways to, to, to address those. Or if those are stresses that you can't get rid of, getting some kind of professional help to help you work with, through how you res respond to those so that you don't have like sort of downstream physiological uh, issues. With vegan diets in particular, there could be a huge amount of benefit there, right? You could lose weight. Um, I mean, and by lose weight, I mean, lose body fat. You, you know, if, if this comes with uh, other improvements in movement, maybe you, you can absolutely gain muscle mass on a vegan diet. Um, the data on just like normal levels of soy consumption on testosterone levels on body composition are pretty much a wash. They're not, you know, it, it's not like the uh, phytoestrogens in, you know, because you have, have tofu occasionally are going to affect your, your gains or your testosterone levels. There are examples where you can consume enough for that to happen, but in a you know, the, 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 the sort of in regular normal human consumption, right? You're not chucking a gallon of soy milk a day, which has been reported in the medical literature, which, and has negative effects. But if you're not doing that, probably not an issue. I would say you need to obviously need to eat enough protein and you can get enough protein on a vegan diet, but you need to think about it. Um, and you need to eat enough fat. Uh, and there is a reasonable amount of literature to say that if you have a very low fat diet and probably connected to cholesterol levels and cholesterol intake, maybe a bit of both, that can, that can affect testosterone levels as well. So I don't think that everybody going vegan is suddenly going to cause like this mass loss of muscle and masculinity. But as with any diet, you need to be smart about how you do it. Yeah, and bridge, bridge the gaps. And what about, are you concerned about things like xenoestrogens? Do you think they're a, an issue that men should be a bit more aware of? Because you can go crazy with that as well and it becomes a stress thinking about... Yeah, so, and... so, so 
so I think this kind of this kind of lines up with a, as soon as you're told you have a problem, then it becomes a problem because you think it's a problem. Um, and you know, this is like we see this in genetics. Uh, we see we see this with hormones. Um, and I guess we can briefly touch upon like as, as like a divergence that you mentioned testosterone levels are very very and hormone levels in general are very variable throughout the day if you look at the variability in a testosterone measurement i think like the assay variability like if you had the same exact sample and you had the same exact machine measure it multiple times the variability in the machine is about five percent and then the biological variability so the same person because of all these things we've talked about and the way testosterone sort of increases early in the day and then decreases later in the day, like the, the time of day you measure it, the variability there is about 12%. So when you add those together, what happens is that you basically need 30 to 40% swings in testosterone sometime for you, for you to actually say this is lower than it was before, or this is higher than it was before. Yeah. So like, if it goes up by one point or down by one point, that could all be just due to variability. So that's just, that's one thing that's worth bearing in mind. So now to, and so, and again, this is why I worry when somebody's like, oh, your testosterone decreased by two points. Like, let's get super worried about the fact that you're no longer a man. And, and I think the same thing happens with, with xenoestrogen. So like, if you're told they're literally everywhere and we have this epidemic of feminizing uh, compounds that are like literally everywhere, then I think we're all going to wander around worried about our testosterone levels and that's going to, you know, and the worrying about that is going to is going to have that effect. I do think they are things that we should be concerned about. There is some evidence to suggest that. I mean, like they're literally everywhere, and test, average testosterone levels in the population do seem to have decreased over time, and that is one of the things that has happened during that period of time. But at the same time, we've also, you know, the quality of the diet has decreased. We're probably sleeping less. We're moving less. Right. All these things have changed at the same time. So. The way my approach, and I think it's about as close as we can get to, you know, a way that we can continue to live without worrying about literally everything that happens is that you can control the things you can control. If you can't control it, don't worry about it. And it's an easy thing to suggest, but harder to do in practice. But what I mean by that is if you can filter your water, great, filter your water. Um, if you can get personal care products that don't have phthalates and those things in, you know, great. If you can reduce your use of those kinds of cosmetics and personal care products that have those kinds that have those kinds of things in great. You should do that too. Um, if you can, you know, reduce your intake of things that have sat in plastic all day, like bottled plastic water. Great. You should do that too. But you know, where each of these things are something that you can do, if you can't do it, it's definitely not worth worrying about because there are probably much bigger rocks that you can move that will improve your health. So that's kind of how I approach it. A bit different, but it reminds me of like, you know, like when people who are trying to conceive and they spend months or years sometimes like trying to time the cycle, get everything just right, make it perfect, you know, to increase their chances. And then they just get frustrated because it doesn't happen, doesn't happen. And then they almost give up and just go, oh, forget about it. Before and then get pissed one night, go on holiday or whatever. They don't have to get pissed. No, they don't. But I'm just saying, like, they switch off, they relax. <laughs> I know. And yeah. they, get, they fall pregnant. I've and then next, you know, boss, so you know, times. yeah. And, and you think, like, I wonder how much of it is almost like you being so zoned in on it, so focused, is what's actually prevented you. And like you said about, like, if you're so focused on, oh, all these years that I've been eating. It's, you know, it's why I dropped functional testing quite quickly and do it very rarely with clients because I saw them fixate on 
a result and believe that that was the, the determinant of their health and they wanted to do some things, then retest. And I was absolutely bricking it that there wouldn't be a change in the result, but they could be feeling better. Yeah. And I just knew the test result would scupper it. And so for a long time, I've been like, I kind of understand the mechanisms of what we're looking at. Do we need the test? Because you'll see people fight to get better microbiomes. And, you know, if they, if they don't see a change and they spend all this money on supplements, they yeah. will just give up but yeah and I think it's the same with hormones and that's why I'm always quite reticent and say like well it's pretty obvious what we need to do and sometimes there's a an argument for you know compliance so if you test and they can see it Mm. then they'll they'll change behavior but I still think more times for me it it has a very negative effect um on somebody but equally just making health a goal Mm. has a negative effect on somebody and health should be just in the background it's your daily routine just making better choices yeah, yeah. and then in the meantime you're trying to i often say to people you know looking at your job find a job that you love hang out with people more go and professional development or learn a new skill or hobby or activity because when like i'm sure tommy when you're strongman training you're not thinking oh i wonder what my testosterone levels are as i'm <laughs> like you know lifting the sandbag because you're so in the moment and enjoying something and you know, I just think that's that's where we're kind of, and this is podcasts and blogs and, you know, and, and people, are, there's so much information now about it that you're constantly second guessing yeah. things, whether you're doing the right things. And yeah, and that's, and I'll go through phases of completely stepping back from it all. And then I'll see something that I'll be like, yeah. oh, you know, maybe I should flag this up with a client. Maybe it is quite relevant. And that's why it's just, just interesting. But yeah. Well, it's like the whole, do you remember, you know, the whole kind of like, oh, you know, do you wake up with a, Oh yeah, I was going to say that. A, a morning erection type thing and being a sign of whether you're... Do you wake up under a marquee? Was Charles Poliquin's... Uh... I, wrote, I wrote an article about that for Breaking Muscle several Did years you? ago. Yeah, I said that it was the like morning glory, whether you had it or not, was like the best recovery tool that you're not, yeah. not using or something like that. Yeah, that um, was, yeah. and, and so like when you look, again, when you look at the literature... That does so once you get to like really sort of you know low levels of testosterone for you, that happens less. Testosterone is produced later, you know, later in later in the night. So if you're not getting, you know, adequate amounts of sleep, that that can affect it. So I mean, I think it's a useful, it's a useful metric. Like, I mean, obviously there's way more complicated than that. But if you normally or frequently wake up like that and then that stops happening. I think it's a reasonable thing to to think about. And then if it, if it doesn't happen, talk to somebody about it. But this is what I was going to say, because I don't like... It doesn't always happen, though, does it? No, it doesn't always happen. No, no, no. But also as well, like, when you first came back from Poliquin and and said that... and I I think I made it a status update on Facebook, and I actually had a few private messages going, is that actually true from male friends? because all of a sudden, I was there wasn't something I thought about, but if there was a morning it didn't happen, I'd be like... (gasps) (laughs) My testosterone's low. You would literally clutch your pearls. Clutch my pearls out. (laughs) Okay, so, yeah, so it's worth bearing in mind, right? that if you set an alarm clock, right, then you may wake up during a part of the sleep cycle where it's just not going to happen regardless, yeah. right? Yeah. So then you shouldn't, yeah. right, then, so I think I, I put that in my article, so that you shouldn't worry about it. But I need to find this article, because... Um, I can, I can, I'm sure I can, I'm sure it's still yeah. on the internet, so I mean, I wrote it like just, six I mean, years ago. Because now I'm at a point where, you know, like that, that, was, that was years ago, right? Um, no, it's daily. No, no, it's not always daily, but what I mean with by that is, is like, so I don't always wake up with a with a with an erection, but I sometimes wake up in the middle of the night with one, yeah. which is quite inconvenient. Yeah. Um, and also as well, like I don't automatically go, oh, I didn't wake up with one in the morning. Oh, my testosterone's low because I'm like, I feel fantastic. I feel fine. Yeah. My energy's yeah, high, yeah. trained really well. So I don't 
overthink it. it. Yeah, so yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't want people to start thinking, like, oh God. Like, but some people chronic, chronically, of course, yeah, 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 for anything. sure. And it's, I'm not saying don't address it, but I'm saying, like, you know, like, definitely don't overthink it if it's something yeah. that. And in terms of the infrastructure, is there obviously there's things, um, it's always helpful for them, for men to get checked. Do you think there's any anything in terms of lifestyle factors that could be, I know like sports injuries, but even like laptops and mobile phones? Yeah, like, and this is another thing where like, I'm going to say something and then everybody's going to get like obsessed. It's like, like none of these things that we've talked about are like the one thing that's the problem, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, we'll just say that, we'll just say that again. But there are some studies <laughs> that suggest that men who have, their mobile phone in their pocket, it may be associated with lower testosterone levels. The magnitude of the effect and the importance there, I am not sure of. I do not walk around with my phone in my pocket all day. If I sit, if it, like it's in my pocket when I'm walking around, if I sit down, it comes out just because it's something like, it's a thing that, that might be a thing. And it's very easy for me to take my phone out of my pocket. So I do it. So Does I, that mean I, that everybody I, I should do that? that. So, but again, that doesn't like, I'm, there's no really strong evidence that that's the case, but you know it's something that I can do and it's easy for me to do, so I do it. What was the, you mentioned laptops? Yeah, I'm not sure, sure about that. The laptop point was the same thing. It's EMS, isn't it? So it's just yeah, extra. and 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 heat as well, right? So we know that that especially for sperm production. So if you're worried about your fertility specifically, heat in the testicles, that's why they hang outside the body is, is an important factor. So a laptop on your lap is hot. Yeah. So, so whether I don't actually have my laptop on my lap, no, but like, some people do. I'm, just, some people like, I'm always on a table or, yeah. you know what I mean? No, no, but some people do. And I've seen, and, just seen concern about it. I'm just thinking I can see men everywhere now yeah. just airing their balls. <gasps> yeah, <laughs> Tommy said, I need to cool my balls down. <laughs> <laughs> In public. Well, you know what? I, I once had a friend who, I don't know, like him and his girlfriend didn't want to use contraception. So he'd like wash his balls in hot water to try and oh reduce. My God. So like people don't do stuff like that. But, it's, but this can be an important factor. I have to Got say. scolded his ball bags. On your, <laughs> on your uh, Tommy, when I did your course with Ben House on blood chemistry and hormones, one of my favorite stories was, I think it was Dr. Ben Hauser's friend where if his missus forgot to take the pill, he would take it as well, just to be doubly sure. No, oh, I think that amazing. was I think that was a story that I heard from a I heard from a nurse. Um, was she, she, she was working she was working in like a uh, an STD clinic or something, and she she said that. But yeah, they uh, if if she forgot to take the pill, then the the boyfriend would take it. So that was probably not good for his. <laughs> Don't do that. Just one final point. Well, no, I just wanted to say because it's a massive coincidence for having this conversation. And Tommy mentioned the whole um, heat around the balls. Yeah. Because um, I recently got a, a new car. Well, second hand, but new car for me. And it's got the heated seats. Oh, really? <laughs> and today it was cold. So I put them on. And I remember, and like, you could really feel the heat coming through the seat. And I thought, actually, I wonder. This is a well, good this thing. is what this is doing Did for you. Did you have a bonus when you got in the car because you love that car oh, so much? Oh, yeah. And then throughout and then the just, journey, it just disappeared. Just <laughs> I think it like almost atrophied. <laughs> well, we, we have heated car seats too, and sometimes I use them. And I don't worry about And I've <laughs> literally not once thought about my balls while I did it. Because it, it did feel nice. So would, it better, would, would it be helpful to earth the balls? You know, like you do earthing where you walk barefoot and it, you draw electrons. I'm up. now thinking about, you know, like when dogs like rub their butt <laughs> oh, yeah, on the yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, No, I can make your, it cool. 
your body is electrochemically connected throughout. So if you think earthing is important to you, it can happen through your feet as well as through your balls. You don't need to do that. Okay. <laughs> Fine. What was the last point you were going to make? Um, so also on your course, you mentioned a few things like testosterone levels declining with age, which is expected. Oh my days. I was going to ask this. But I was also going to say, you even mentioned things like getting married and uh, being an example. And should that just be a natural thing with a view that you don't want men walking around like completely horny all the time? I don't know if that's the, and you're supposed to be more paternal. So you don't want mm. to have high testosterone levels for that necessarily. So is it like an, a natural adaptive response? Yeah, maybe. Pro- the problem is that it's, again, it's it's a very difficult experiment to control, Yeah. right? Because if you have if you get married and you have a family, then, you know, all of a sudden, like you're sleeping less and, you know, all these other things happen that may also be associated with those low testosterone levels. But in general, people think that being in a stable relationship or men who enter and stay in stable relationships have slightly lower testosterone levels. What's cause and effect um, and what's actually driving that, we don't know. But there is some evidence to suggest that, you know, your ability to make rational decisions and, control your behavior is maybe a bit better, you know, with, with lower testosterone levels for you again, not like, right. You can affect prefrontal cortex function by dramatically increasing testosterone levels, but all it does is it unmasks natural tendencies, right? So if you are a dick, you're going to be more of a dick if you have higher testosterone levels, but if you're not a dick, having higher testosterone levels is not going to make you a dick. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So with regards to like the 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 decline of, you know, because we know that like things like testosterone and lean muscle, uh, yeah, or or, I don't know why I said lean muscle, but muscle mass and whatnot does decline with age. Like, is it something that because I always think these things are kind of put out there and, and and almost sound much more drastic than they actually are, you know, and it's almost like, well, it's gonna happen. And I think I'd like to think that the things that we do now to try our best to optimize our health would be the same things we'll do as we get a little bit older when those numbers are naturally on the decline anyway. But saying that there is some people are arguing that we should be taking because we live longer things like DHEA, which is like a precursor hormone or testosterone or or HRT full stop as we get to 70, 80, 90, because we're just not meant to live that long. I've I've seen that argument before as well. Yeah. Again, I think. If you can tie it to symptoms and you have your other ducks in a row as much as you're able to, then I, I think hormone replacement can be very beneficial. So I, I think in general, if I, if my lifestyle stays the same as it does, you know, in terms of, you know, I prioritize sleep, I eat well, I think I have good social relationships. I obviously do my training and all that kind of stuff. If at some point my testosterone levels decline and it's associated with some symptoms, I will take testosterone. I don't think it's going to be going to happen for 20 or 30 years, but I, you know, right now I think that that the evidence supports that there could be benefit from, from doing that. Well, Tommy, thank you so much once yeah. again for your time, mate. Always good to chat to you. Yeah. Thank you so and, much. Um, yeah. We just always appreciate you giving up the time for, for little old us back here in the UK. No, I always really enjoy it. And yeah, I think there's probably a lot more that we could talk about. So like super happy to come back or maybe people have questions after they listen to this one and we can, we can. Yeah. I'm, really into those. I'm really keen to do one on muscle mass, I have to say. And, do you and know muscle mass with age. I'd, I'd love to do one in person as well. Right. Cause I got an email today from booking.com that us is now open oh, for, yeah, yeah. Uh, for travel. Over. So boom. 
we could do live from Seattle. You, know, you, you guys are literally very, very welcome in this house, as long as you don't mind being licked by my boxers. Not the dogs. Not, not, <laughs> you not might want to rephrase that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we can, we can, uh, we can do strongman training, and I'll show you the sites. So, so yeah, Any let's do that. Hormone optimizing steak, coffee, ice cream. Yeah. Boom. That's, uh, that's my ideal holiday right there. Sorted. Who needs sunshine when you got all of that, right? <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening. Big, big love. As always, any questions, you know where to reach us. Tommy, thank you so much once again, mate. And um, yeah, we'll see y'all very soon. Yeah. Laters. Yeah. Thanks, guys.